UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. All good. I'm just, let me see here. I'm gonna hit my intro. Work again. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a fascinating guest with me today. This is the first time she's on my show. I have with me Suzanne Worthley. She's an energy healing practitioner, intuitive and psychic empath. She's also a grid worker and she works with the Galactics as well. She's the author of the books, A Confident Empath. And she's also an author of the book, The Energy Healer's Book of Dying. Uh, She's been doing this for over two decades. She teaches about consciousness studies and energy work and offers spiritual tours in Peru and Sedona, Arizona. She's the author. I already said that. And she lives in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Minnesota, And her website is sworldly.com. And I want to give her a big warm welcome to my show for the first time. Suzanne, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see where we want to start. So you say you work with the Galactics as well, and you do grid work. Like, have you been doing that for a while? And like, wh- how did that all start? Did you have, or let me put it this way: Have you had ET experiences or paranormal experiences that kind of led you into this work, kind of work? Yeah. Uh, in this book, I actually start out the book. This this particular book, I tell a lot more personal stories, and I start out confident empath with the story of. I was connected to the ETs when I was a child, and I just did not even know that everyone else didn't see them. And so I had alien heads on my ceiling every night when I was six and seven years old, and I telepathically conversed with them all the time. And I go into a very long story in the beginning of the book about that they were working with me in terms of doing something to my body to be able to allow me to stay here on planet. And then there was at the same time a faction of dark negative alien energy trying to take me off planet. And so I was extremely sick as a seven-year-old child. And I was being kind of battled over at that time for almost a year of my life. And so I pretty pretty much tell that whole story from the beginning of this book. So yeah, it's been my entire life. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's interesting though. It's I, I mean, so what do you think is going on? Do you think it's like spiritual warfare? I mean, you've been doing psychic energy work for a while. Would you yeah. say that's what we're dealing with, like spiritual warfare? Oh my gosh, for sure. And I think that some of us, which we now, a lot of people are using the word star seed. Some of us have been placed on this planet to come back and, you know, um, kind of reboot the infrastructure and the hologram that was screwed up in the first place by many of us in other realms and so other timelines of its situations. And so 
I think a lot of us are back here to do the healing, to put the grids back together, to remove the reversal programming, etc. So a lot of the people walking around this planet right now are truly intergalactic. And I just happen to be one of those. Yeah. I agree. I, I have a good friend. Her name is, I think, I think I told you her name is Indigo Angel. She does the grid work as well. It seems like doing the grid work is becoming more popular. Like, um, why do you think it's important to do grid work? And like, or, and like, what, I mean, from your perspective, like I, I kind of know, but I just want the audience to hear. Well, first of all, there's many, many, many different types of grid workers and there's many different types of grids. And a lot of people interchange and intermix words. I happen to be one of a multi-dimensional grid workers. I work on more of the architecture, the blueprint of creational reality. I'm one of the people that goes into the overall blueprints and changes with sacred geometry. I change coordinates. I change um, infrastructure. I put things back together that, that had been hijacked or changed or removed. Um, so I've been doing that for many, many years. And what that means is, is that, our, you know, when I teach it to my members, I have an uh, online membership called Vibe Tribe. People can check out on my website, but I teach my members a lot that our reality is a holographic projection that is made up of thought, emotion, and action. And all of that is constructed in grids and and blueprints and patterns that all change according to light, sound, and color and geometrics. And so this is akin to like working in a, a tower of the Jenga game. And it was stable at one point in creational reality. And then over lots of negative agendas, the Jenga pieces started getting taken out and it got wobbly and it got inverted and it got changed. And so many of us grid workers are putting the correct Jenga pieces back together, if we want to look at it that way, and creating a stability so that our planetary ascension can happen in the correct way. And that's kind of what we're up against right now. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, does when you do grid work, does that include, like, do you clean the waters too, or like kind of like put like geometric, put the waters back in the way they're supposed to be? Have you ever done that as well? Um, I, I can do that. And I've done that in smaller instances. I really am off, off, off planet. I'm like three universes over. And so I really actually am doing like creational infrastructure from the very beginning of the fractalization. So I definitely can do on planet grid work. It's, it's something that I do very easily, but it's not my primary focus. My primary focus is putting back together the ray um, structure, the rays, the colors, the um, the blueprints, the patterns, etc. So I kind of am really far off planet with what I mostly do. So so what you're saying is like our, our reality is basically hijacked at its core. Like it, you know, like every 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 everything has building blocks. Like kind of like you said, and like our 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 situation is so messed up that it's messed up from its core. So you kind of have to work from the bottom and build it way back up. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense or no? Yeah, yeah, and and this is not an easy thing for people to understand because we don't we don't learn this or teach this. I just did an advanced workshop this last weekend for some of my top members, and I was bringing them through how creative fractalization happens from the God source. I mean, God is not a guy on a cloud; it's an in design intelligence that goes through fractals, and fractals become more fractals. And as we descend in fractalization and become existences the ascension process is going back up again. So all of that information can come back together in oneness and go to source. 
But a lot of people are talking about the ascension process, but what most don't understand is the descension process is what we are dealing with and putting the Jenga pieces back together for stability because it all has to be um, redone because it's been hijacked. So yeah, we've been hijacked through 11 different universe trials before the we're in universe 12 right now. And we've got a lot of mistakes that we're correcting having to do with the architecture. So it's a big deal. And many, many people don't even have a want or a need to even know it. But those that do know how important and how great this is actually going, even though our world looks like chaos. Yeah. And um, would you say, that, what would you say the negative uh, ET agenda is? Or is it like reptilian or is it like the Nordics or like who's responsible for this? If you had to, if you had to put a blame which, or speculate, you know what I mean? Well, actually this is ancient. This has gone back to the beginning of time. And so what we call the NAA or the negative alien agenda is, uh, is a multitude of things. And I think what's most scary is, is that it's an intelligence that designs itself. And just like organic, beautiful, awesome, love-based intention is created in an organic intelligence, negative agendas create themselves as well. So yes, we have beings, yes, we have reptilians, yes, we have dracos, yes, we have archons, we have all of it. Yes, we have Luciferian energy, satanic energy, people energy, it's all of it. But what it is mostly is it's fear. And the human does not understand that they feed that collective energy 24-7 because they allow themselves to be programmed in their belief systems and they believe the fear that is manipulating us. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, where do you think this all is stemming from? Do you think it's like the Illuminati or the Cabal? I mean, like it's obviously ETs at the top, but then it's like the 13 families that kind of run everything right. And then the Illuminati and, and then there's bloodlines too. Do you feel like the bloodlines have something to do with this? It all, all has to do with everything. These are all players in the puzzle pieces. And these beings that you're referring to are a lot of earth orientation of the negative agenda. That said, the galactic wars have been going on for billions and billions of years. Um, these are things that I have very distinct memories of. Um, you know, the galactics have been fighting amongst themselves. This planet is coveted because not only of the natural resources, but the human species alone has been coveted just because of free will and the actual angelic blueprint of our design self. And so this has been a war that's been on forever and ever. And referring to just, you know, the Illuminati or the 13 families, that's kind of like way down the pecking order as far as I'm concerned, but that does not make them any less dangerous by any means. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so take me, oh, where do you want to go next? Like, what, what made you want to write your two books, The Confident Empath and The Energy Healer's Book of Dying? Well, thanks for bringing up that one, because I launched that during 2020 in March, and we all know what happened in 2020 of March. And so oh, yeah. the, uh, the launch of that book came to a screeching halt when everything got shut down. And here I was launching a book on death and dying during that, and it was very tough. And, you know, things happen for whatever reason. I believe now this is just as critical of information as to understand what happens to the human form when we die, because people are so completely shell-shocked from the last two to three years of all the garbage that's been happening with the human body and the fear that's been instilled. And so that is an incredible book of 
100% channeling and fascinating client stories, by the way, of how the body actually dies and what happens to it and where it goes and, and what happens to that transfer of that soul. And so it's a great, great book, I believe. But Confident Empath is very close to my heart because I am an empath and I'm an extremely skilled empath in terms of how I navigate that energy. But nine out of 10 people that come into my office as clients are really struggling with the concept of what empathing is. And most of us don't even understand the mechanics of it. So this is a very, very specific hands-on book that not only goes through empathing people's energies, but the reason why Minus Positions talks about multi-dimensional empathing. And that's what I think makes it really special. Well, what what is it? What exactly? Well, wait, let me ask you this. Like, I've always felt that I've been an empath. Like, if you and and I want my audience to understand what, what the real definition of an empath is. I've always felt like that an empath is that you can feel other people's feelings and emotions. That like you take on the 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 energy of the collective. Like, is that true? And then when you come into distance of someone, you can kind of feel their energy field. Like, is that kind of what? Am I on the right track with that? Or what are you thinking? Of? What are your definitions yeah. of? Empath? If I can define it a little bit better, and I appreciate you bringing it forward because this is the purpose. We get confused. The human, the design of the human has a quality that is our birthright that is called empathy. It is a vibrational frequency that comes from the mother God source. It is taking our humanness and giving it the birthright to be able to feel what others feel, to be able to stand in their shoes. It is what creates our oneness. I can stand in your shoes. I can feel your pain and understand that you're hurting. I know that you're sick. This is a beautiful quality of the human design. That said, that's not what the empath is. The empath does not stand in the other's shoes as much as they steal the shoes. They take those shoes, they make those shoes theirs, and they keep those shoes. So the empathy means I can relate. I hold space for you. I can honor that this is your journey. But the empath says, oh, no, no, I'm going to steal your journey. I'm going to feel your pain and take it and make it mine. I'm going to feel your anger and make it mine. I'm going to feel your sickness and become sick myself. And we run ourselves ragged and we are killing our bodies, our minds and our spirits because we are stealing and vampiring everybody's stuff, including not just people, but land and animals and plants and paranormal and spirit and everything under the sun we are sucking each other's to you know souls out of each other so it's a really vast difference yeah um so what is, okay what, what is paranormal empathing I, I know you that was it was one of the questions gail had brought forth that sounds really interesting does that have to do with like spirits or like the the other entities that are in other dimensions, like there might be like, you know, right next to us or how, what do you feel about that? Totally, totally. So um, as an energy worker, I have also done paranormal work for many, many years. And there's some really awesome client stories in the Confident Empath that talk about paranormal empathing. And I won't go into those as much as they can read them in there, but it is things like I can not be aware, for example, that this building that I put my new business in or this land that I build my home on or move into is filled with ghost energy or stuck horror or trauma or actual disgusting, you know, vile energies from demonics or whatever that built into the spaces, the places, the land, the building, everything. And we are not 
skilled and confident enough to be able to discern, oh my gosh, I'm sitting in horror. I'm sitting in pain. I'm sitting in sickness. And because we are ignorant to that, the human will, because this is what we do, make it make sense. We will make it make it our own. If I feel sadness and I don't discern that isn't my sad and that is coming from another realm, I, because I'm human, will determine myself something to be sad about by the end of the week and then I will take that on when it had nothing to do with me in the first place. So we are getting very sick, very confused, very, very off. It's crazy. It, you know what's what you make which makes me go off on a side tangent on that is um I was kind of thinking when you said like you know someone moves into a house and there could have been something that really vow or something crazy happened there and that just makes me think about like the actions of humanity and like you know how these people end up as ghosts or demons in the first place and because you know like as a human race we tend to do things that are like just really bizarre and crazy and like really sadistic like over time you know if you look at different kings and rulers to psychopaths and serial killers you know i think this is what causes ghosts and demons to exist you know i don't know you would know better than me you're the paranormal expert but like i'm just kind of putting this theory together here so and then to, to piggyback off that it's like why would ets ever going to want to work with a human race like that like they must think of us as like the new kids on the block so I'll let you riff on that, whatever you think about what I just said. And and I know that's probably a lot to unpack, but, you know. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. I have taught, taught ghosts and spirits for um, well over a decade. And there's a very specific difference, by the way, between a spirit and a ghost. And again, okay. this has with what the Energy Healers Book of Dying talks about. When we go through the physical human death process, what shuts down is our fuel center. It is our chakras and our auric templates. And as they shut down and transmute back to light, if they are all shut down and transmuted and dissolved, we are what is considered a spirit because we are light enough to cross over and be omnipresent. If we do not shut down and dissolve all of those fields, the non-dissolvement causes an energy, an energy that's heavy, which is then earthbound. And we are then considered a ghost element because the heaviness of that auric field is what is keeping us more earthbound. And oftentimes that is because there's a fear and anger and not understanding, et cetera. And so then these earthbound beings will feed energetically off of other things and other spaces, places, and people because it's fear-based. And so this can oftentimes become the really angry ghost, the really mean manipulative ghost that comes, then becomes very dangerous, et cetera. So that is a, just a big, a very big difference between what a ghost and a spirit is. It's an energy function. Does that make some sense? Yeah, yeah. So what, what causes something to become a demonic then, or are they really ancient? A demonic can be very many different things. Lots of them are indeed primordial ancient beings that are trapped in the infrastructure of our inner earth and other dimensions. But additionally, we talked earlier about the NAA, the negative alien agenda, and the alien agenda in a collective way with, again, fear being used as fuel can feed into these entities and they become their own consciousness. They become their own beings. And it's crazy that we don't understand that we are responsible for feeding this collective field. So the more we draw in and are triggered into manipulation through the news, media, entertainment, all the crap that is out there that we believe in that basically is not even real, we are triggered 24-7 into being angry and mad. And these are the crazy 
things that are happening now and we are being controlled and we are being enslaved by all of this negative energy through the collective field. But then we are responsible for pouring that back in and it's exponentially growing. We are the problem. We are our own problem. Do you see? It's crazy. Well, is okay. So like this, so this negative alien agenda, are they trying to feed off of our loosh or our energy? Would you say? Yes, very, very much so. So the reason I teach the empath with confidence is, is the minute that you, A, go inside of your own vehicle to find your own truth, shed beliefs that don't serve you, come into an alignment with your higher self and your whatever your God package looks like, so that you know that you have freedom and sovereignty inside of you. But then you work on that auric field as a boundary, first and foremost, to say, absolutely not. That crap that you're throwing at me is garbage. That is fuel for fear. I am not living like that. I am living in love light. And it doesn't mean everything's rainbows and bunnies, don't get me wrong. But it is absolutely not consenting any further to the manipulation to keep changing that field. That's fascinating. Um, so, okay, uh, I want to go back to something you talked about at the beginning of the interview that we didn't really get into. What is multidimensional empathing? That that means that you you are multi multi working. We are omnipresent human beings that are in various timelines, various dimensions at all times. But most of us are not educated enough to know beyond. Earth, wind, water, fire, ether, a planet, plants and animals, and humans. That's one, two, and three as far as our dimensional fields. But those of us that have opened up our psychic senses and are called psychic empaths, we have energies from all kinds of dimensional spaces and places that are well beyond that one, two, and three dimensional field. And oftentimes we're taking it deeper from that inner earth field and places that is collective, meaning I can feel the water, I can feel the fish, here inside the animal as we're harvesting and killing them with chemicals and horrible ways to die. And all of this stuff is multidimensional for the psychic sensitive empath. We can walk through our day and we are taking on, you know, coronal mass injections that we can feel from the sun or the Schumann resonance in the earth. We are taking it in from everything and everywhere. And it is bombarding us daily. That's fascinating. Now, um, what what are the other different kinds of, oh, wait, let me ask you this. What is energy transference? Gail had that in the notes. Yeah, so the energy transference is the process of what happens to the path. When an path is working in a, what we would call balanced and healthy way, we are aware of our auric field. And I make it the story metaphor in this book as you, your divine vehicle, your body is a vehicle of source, just like any other vehicle to fly down the road and have my parts moving, I need gasoline. And the gasoline in our case is consciousness. It's chi, prana, life force, our connection to God source. That comes into our body much like you going to the gas station and squeezing that little hose and putting it into that car and squeezing that life force into your car. That's our connection. We're the vehicle, that's the gas. The tank, however, is the most important part for the empath and that if my car has a crappy tank and it's rusted and torn, the gas I just stuck in my tank is now on the ground at the station and I try to go off on the street and I can't figure out why my parts are dying and I'm not going anywhere. The tank for the empath and the human experience is my auric field. If my auric field is broken, rusted and non-existent, all of my chi, my life force is now spilling on the ground. So I will traverse through my day 
being uneducated and I will need gasoline. Hence, I start to vampire. I will take gasoline from anything and anyone that is not mine to take in the first place, but I will steal it because I have no other way to make it through my day. And this is called the transference of energy. I can take it from a person, place, or thing in any way, shape, or form. I can take it aggressively and nasty by overpowering and being cruel, or just as difficult and almost easier as, oh, I'm so worried about you, my kids. I worry about my kids. They worry about my job. I worry about my mom. I worry about humanity. That is empathing everybody else's energy and it's transferring into you and from them. So it's constant until we learn different. Yeah, I was going to say uh, something that you mentioned, I, I thought you brought up a really good point. Like um, you kind of already explained this, but I, I'll just kind of summarize. I, I don't think people realize how much like the energy field has to do with our physical body. Like if the aura is bad and the chi or and the prana is bad, then that can manifest disease, right? Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. And not only dis-ease, there's a little dash in there. I will begin with dis-ease. It's like my car parts are starting to go chug-chug when I have bad gas or no gas. And all of a sudden, my car part gets really bad. And all of a sudden, my car part stops. So we take that dash out. I can start with dis-ease. I'm getting nudges. I have anxiety. I have depression. And that will very quickly turn into I'm having heart problems. And now I die of a heart attack because of stress. So this dis-ease that we're feeling on a daily basis very quickly turns to disease. And now that doesn't mean I always have cancer. I can have all kinds of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual dis-ease, anxiety, stress, depression. The empath is running themselves ragged, trying to prove to themselves and everyone how wonderful they are by doing, 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 doing. And we forget that we're a human being and we cannot figure out our value until we change this all around and understand the energetics of it all. That's fascinating. Now, um, does, does can being a professional empath threaten your health and wellness? Like, can it like can can people siphon off you? And is this like is this a constant energy siphoning all the time? Are people siphoning in our world? Are we constantly siphoning energy off of each other unknowingly? Does that make any sense? Yes, and we're doing it knowingly just as well because I go deep into some of the chapters on you know, worry and gaslighting and vampiring, that gets really, those are the people that know dang well that they're doing it. But 80, maybe 70% of the people don't know they're doing it. They just think that they're supposed to worry and take care of everyone else. A lot of this is being done without our individual knowledge. Therefore, all of us are losing our power and it's rampant. Yes. Can it hurt even someone like myself? I go deep into this book at the very first chapter and I tell you, before I was understanding this, even being an energy worker, I was completely hijacked and got tossed down 22 stairs and landed on a concrete slab and dead because I didn't do my due diligence of clearing my field in my room from a very dark and demonic energy. And this is years ago. And trust me, I changed my work patterns very quickly after that. And I have been a very diligent worker ever since. So these are things that we can learn and change. But some people are professional empaths like myself. When I do healing work, I 100% intentionally merge with my client to do the work, but then 150% I pull out at the end because there's no way I have a right to their field any longer and they don't have a right to mine. So it's very intentional work. Yeah, back up a little bit. I'm gonna hear this story. Like what happened? You got tossed on 22 <laughs> stairs by a demon? What? How did that happen? Were you doing a paranormal investigation? 
No, I was actually in my home. I was working on a young man who had been living on the streets and was very, very, um, you know, really, really wrecked. I mean, just wrecked. Drugs, um, the whole nine yards, just completely lost his connection to soul self. And I had taken him in and he had been living with us. He was a friend of one of my children and he had some very strict boundary rules. I allowed him to stay in our home. In the long run, it's a great story. He turned out awesome. We had him for almost two and a half, three years in our home. But this was the very beginning when he had had so many hitchhikers, so many dark entities, so much darkness inside of him. And I had him in my healing room doing basically almost very close to an exorcism. And when he was done and I was done, we left. I cleared my room, but I didn't clear it well enough. I went up the next morning to do my own meditative work, my own work on my own self. And again, I wasn't skilled enough at this point to be able to discern. I now would have known immediately that my room was off. I would have known the second I walked into it, but I didn't back then because I was still learning. I walked up into my room and I was standing at the top of my steps, which at that point in time were kind of unfinished because my healing room was like a loft. And the, op- the the staircase was open to the slab on the first floor, if you're following. And I'm 5'8", and it was kind of dusty from the construction, etc. You could see my head imprint on stair number two. So whatever that dark, malevolent energy was, flipped my body so fast and upside down that my first crash onto the steps before I fell off the side was on step number two from the top. So it wasn't, I didn't slip to be blunt. I didn't slip. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God. That's scary. Like, did you have like serious injuries or, and then like, what happened? Did you like, did you have to clear that entity out of there? Did you have to go to the hospital? Like yeah, how, all, what of, happened? all of the above. And funny enough, this is still when I was balancing a corporate career. So I was actually leaving for a very large trade show that I was the boss of in the morning. And I ended up in ER and I could hear the, I can astral project a lot and I could hear the doctors out in the hallway. I could feel them and note that they were talking about why isn't this woman dead? Why isn't she more hurt? Why isn't she more hurt? But what had happened was the moment I hit the concrete, I started working on myself and I started commanding my space and I started saying, I do not consent. This is not allowed. I will not succumb to this. And so I was removing all entity energy from myself in the space the very second that I hit the concrete. And then I couldn't walk at this point. So I army crawled out into the yard. And one of my adult semi, I think my child's maybe a junior in high school, he could drive. So um, he found me crawling in the yard screaming and I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand up at that point. And he kind of you know, stuffed me into the car and brought me into ER. But within the ER visit, the overnight visit, I pretty much cleared myself um, pretty extensively. I had a pretty messed up rotator cuff for a while that I had to work on for several months. But um, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a very big lesson. I never was that flippant about dark energies ever again in my career. Sometimes we come across these wonderful lessons that we line up that forever change how we work, right? Yeah, maybe that was a lesson that like, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know that. I don't want to say that it's a lesson because that was a horrible event. Like, but maybe that was something that like for your path that you needed to learn so you could learn how to clear these entities and like, and progress in your career. What, what do you think? I mean, most, most definitely. And, you know, back when I was doing this, this is 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of these, there wasn't even a podcast, by the way, much less um, shows or interviews of people 
understanding what this energy energy is about and entities are about. And I had to do a lot of this learning on my own because it just wasn't something that was out there. And so uh, we do, we line up our own lessons, we line up opportunities. Sometimes they're not fun ways to learn, but most definitely it was a learning experience. And again, an opportunity for me to trust in my own self-healing capabilities, right? I mean, I did not end up having to do Western medicine from this. I took care of 90% of it myself. And so these are opportunities as well as experiences. That's fascinating. Um, now, so, um, okay, one, one of the questions that here is why is discernment or what is discernment in your opinion and why is that important for an empath? Especially for an empath, because again, let's equate it back to having a bad gas tank. If I have a gas tank has full of holes in it, I'm walking and all the crap is flying in to my field that isn't mine. So I'm walking through sadness, I'm walking through pain, I'm walking through anger, I'm walking through all kinds of things. If I don't have the skill set to lock down my own personal frequency and then do what we call discern, ask the question, is this mine? Is this sadness mine? Is that my anger? Is that not my anger? I don't have the capability to weed out what no longer serves me and I get sick and I make it mine. But if I am skilled, I say, is that sadness mine? No, that's not mine. Whose is it? What is it? What do I want to do with that? How do I fix that? How do I move that? So it is the tool, the 100% most important tool for anybody to be walking around in is to know your own frequency, know your own truth, and then ask Absolutely, do not consent to what doesn't serve you. That's 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 awesome. Um, okay, now is quantum empathing similar to paranormal, or what's different about that? Like quantum goes a little bit bigger, meaning that really goes out into the field. So Suzanne, for example, has gone through all of my physical human life, holding quantum fields in my physical form as a professional empath. So. If I'm working on a dimensional frequency or a ray or a color or a sound or a vibration or a resonance that's in like a constellation, um, a different universe, a timeline from you know eons ago, if I'm doing that work, my physical body will hold that information until the work is done and until I choose to remove that file and put it back to what we would call the Akash or the book of records. And so I literally am like a flash drive of ancient history and future history and concurrent history. So that's kind of how my body uniquely works. That's cool. Um, now, I wanted, wanted to ask you a little bit about energy healing. Um, I, I was interested in trying to heal myself because like, I I don't know, like I, I, I feel like I might have like an issue or two here or there. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's serious or anything like that, but like, is it possible for us to heal? Our, I mean, like I, I interview a lot of people, right? So I know it's possible for us to heal ourselves, but like, what do we need to do? I mean, like, does it, do we have to be in like a very meditative state or, I mean, is it, is it like hands-on healing? Are you like generating energy in the hands to try to heal? Like, for example, I have a bead on my rib, like underneath my rib. I don't know what it is. It could be just a cyst. You know what I mean? But I wanted to try to remove it myself because it's bothering me. Like it doesn't hurt, but I found it and it's, it's a pain in the ass. Like, because like, I don't want it to be there because I don't know what it is and I don't feel like I, it should be there. So like, instead of going to the, I mean, I know I should probably go to the doctors and I probably will go to the doctors, but like, do you think this is something that I could actually try to heal myself? I mean, I'm not an experienced healer, but I feel yeah. like I do have some psychic ability and I'm intuitive. So, I mean, like, is it possible for us to heal ourselves? 
every single solitary human being is endowed with the birthright of healing. And not everybody has to have a shingle out being a practitioner. Every single person does healing differently because we come from spaces and places with DNA knowledge that has done things vastly different. For example, I don't use my hands. I'm a full telepath. I do everything in my mind. I don't even use my hands, whereas a Reiki healer would use their hands. So first and foremost, it is important for us to understand the body blueprint, the actual information, the instruction set, where that is the best learned is through the chakra system and the consciousness that is the fuel within the chakra. So that means get your information straight on what is being recorded, what is being instructioned, what is being created per that chakra, because every chakra does a different information set. And if something is off in my mid range in my rib area, that's having to do with between my heart chakra and my solar plexus, basically my solar plexus chakra. So it has to do with my ego, my co-creation, my understanding, my power, my empowerment. And then we can spice up the body even more right to left. It's on my right side. It's more male energy. If it's my left, it's more female energy. And we can splice the body down and really have a very clear, apparent blueprint instruction set of what is happening when things are off or diseased. And this is how we start to get the information that we work with to self-heal. And then the self-healing mechanism can come in a million different ways. Some people pray, some people do rituals, some people do whatever. But my first suggestion to you is to work in a frequency of love versus fear. Because if I'm scared of something and I want it to go away, most of the time it will get bigger because I'm confusing the laws of energy. If I am giving out to that energy field, I want this to go away, I want this to go away, I'm actually scared of it, so it's fueling it. Versus I'm gonna transmute this in love. I'm going to give love and light to it. I'm gonna let light shine in it, around it, and through it. Because the people that want cancer to go away only get more cancer because they're scared. I go the other way and transmute and raise my frequency and elevate my, my own resonance to a loving resonance to embrace it, enlighten it, and then that's what transmutes. That's fascinating. Like I, I never really thought of that. Um, what is the um, when you say you split the body down the middle, like, and then you you have a male yeah. side and a female side. So, like, what does that mean in terms of like healing? What, how do we what, like, how do we that, recognize it? To say, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No matter what you are sexually oriented in in your humanness, meaning if you're a male or a female, we all carry both of the frequencies of male and female energy in us. The right-hand side of the body is the male frequency. The left is female, no matter what sex we are. The goal is to marry those two, is to get a balance and harmony between those frequencies. So the right-hand body is, when it's out of alignment, it's go, 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 have to, need to, work, 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 do, do, do. That's the unbalanced male energy. The unbalanced female energy is, is um, victimization, no self-care, I, I come last. But the balance of that male energy is, Focus on behalf of my strengths, my leadership. I'm putting it forward on behalf of myself and the all. And the female is self-care, care for me first and then everyone else. And it's this beautiful balance. So when we know these elements, for example, our hips carry our belief systems. We carry my dad belief systems in the right hip. I carry my mom belief systems in the left hip. So what you believe about yourself growing up around your beliefs of your father, not what my father said or did or didn't do, 
It's your belief. So we can't give the blame to a parent. We only take the responsibility of this is my belief about my experience around that parent. Right will be father, left will be mother. That's interesting. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think if I have any other questions. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, is there anything else you want to cover what, because th that we might have not touched on that, that like you think is important? Um, I, I'll give you the floor. because Besides this, I want to ask you about your um, your tours and stuff like that. Like, but, but, but before we get into that, like, did you ever have anything else you want to cover about your book or energy work or galactics or you know, anything like that? The book really, 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 especially the Confident Empath one, really has very digestible, very easy to understand step by steps. It ends in appendixes with, you know, one, twos and threes of what we can do. It has meditations. It has body scans. It tells everything. And the absolute hilarity of the individual, you know, client stories are just off the charts crazy talking about interpenetrating timelines and dualistic timelines and how we can interdimensionally, you know, travel. So I think they're pretty mind blowing and they, and they speak for themselves. And so I encourage any human being that feels exhausted or no, that is difficult and exhausted in their life. This is for them, no matter who they are, this book can apply to anybody. So it's important information and it needs to really get out there. So I appreciate a platform and a sharing in any way, shape or form. We are doing little snippets of this called empath um, energy updates and and energy blogs we have a blog ourselves or not a blog a podcast ourselves on youtube called um energy unleashed where we bring forth client stories and then unleash them and go into energies of them so this information is coming out in a multitude of ways through my website so i just um you know encourage them to check it out there that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you know, the other things you do before we get, we finish up for today is you do these tours, you do tours to Sedona and to Peru. Like, can you talk about that? That sounds so interesting. I love travel. Yeah. I love Peru. I've been gifted 10, um, you know, um, not 10, I'm sorry. Um, I've been doing that for seven years. Uh, I love it. I work with the same shamans that come down out of the hills. They're incredible. They don't even speak English and they come for like two days down the hills on feet and bus to come and work with us. Um, it's been life changing for many of my clients. I have not sadly been since COVID because COVID shut them down 100%. And then their political unrest took over and their country is very, very in dire straits right now. So I am monitoring it at this point and I am on track, I believe, for the next following year is what I'm looking at. If indeed the politics settles down, I won't take anyone down to a third world country when political unrest is there. What happened this year, sadly, is the politics of the fighting ripped up the actual railway system that brings you to um, Aguas Caliente, which is the city of Machu Picchu. And everyone wants to see Machu Picchu and should experience Machu Picchu. So I'm waiting for that to open up to re-engage that tour. And I'm hopeful that'll happen very soon. Sedona, I go to often. I have a lot of soul sisters I work with down there. I do do tours. I have people that I'm connected with. I will continue those tours. I do educational forums in um, webcasts. I do all kinds of things in the Twin Cities area constantly. I'm doing more and more online so people can learn from anywhere because I'm a remote worker. I work all over the world. So we're getting much more social, um, Instagramming, Facebooking, and et cetera, so that people can access everything and don't always have to come in person. But those two places are pretty darn special on this planet, both Sedona and especially Peru. 
Yeah, I have, I have more questions. When you go to Peru, do you do they ever do, do you guys ever? I know this is uh, we, some people don't do this, but like, do you ever do the ayahuasca down there, or ever have you done that? Yeah, um, I work with the mountain shamans. I have done jungle um, in you know things, but I my personal choice is to not do hallucinogenics because I can attain the exact same experience without the hallucinogen, and I am very commanding of myself to prove to myself that I can acquire that frequency, that knowledge, that dark shadow work without something aiding me that comes from outside of myself. And this is not a judgment on the process of ayahuasca or anyone that believes in it. Plant medicine is very strong for certain people. I have the ability to download ayahuasca and work with the deva or the energy of it without putting it in my body in form. So that's just a personal choice. So I do not lead those tours. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And then what what is what is Machu Picchu like? Like you did I mean like what um I've never been there. Like um it, it's a lot of ancient ruins I I believe and Oh my god, yeah, it's one of the seven wonders of the world and it is breathtaking. It is breathtaking. Um but Machu Picchu is only one of the spaces. I do an 8-day tour where we every single day go to a sacred site and do sacred ceremony and I mean I've had experiences where you know, I have gone interdimensional. I've gone inside of rocks and gone, you know, to places and spaces and come back out not speaking English. I mean, there's crazy stuff that happens in Peru on these tours. And it's all about healing. It's all about bringing forward the things that um, we have the right to change. And these shamans are so incredibly powerful. They're earth beings. And I'm, an, I'm a galactic. And so when they first met me, it was a completely different experience for them as well as myself because we're, our frequencies are so different. And so now after seven years of deep friendship, they called me healer of the sky and um, I sit ceremony with them and they're so incredibly beautiful and special. I'm very honored to know them. That's fascinating. And then when you go to Sedona, do you ever witness any UFO? Like if you ever had any, like, do you ever do any CE fives or anything like that? Yeah, I actually have done quite a bit of that. Um, oh, James Gillian's ranch, the SETI ranch. I wasn't even on the SETI ranch property for like seriously like 15 minutes. And James himself came out and stood next to me. And this Orion ship just totally beamed up on top of us. And I saw 22 ships in about 10 minutes out there. And the Orion ship that beamed up, he looks at me, James looks at me and he's like, who the hell are you? Because this is all about you. And I'm like, I know. So yeah, they're very they're very familiar for me. I do a lot of on ship work, meaning that my higher self, my etheric body, is on ship quite a bit with um, my own individual work. And so being on ship is very uh, comfortable and common for me. I don't get taken, I don't get abducted. It's just an etheric um, astral travel for me, but it's very clear. That's fascinating. So, oh, that's something else we can get into. I mean, we have a couple of minutes. I wanted to ask you, like, how long have you been astral traveling? Have you been able to do it since you were a kid? Or like, when have you noticed that you were first able to start astral traveling? Yeah, when I was six, like I said, when I was so sick with that blood disease and I could hear the nurses talking out in the lobby, talking about it's so sad that the little girl might die. And I was so sad that some little girl might die when I all of a sudden figured out they were talking about me in the other room. And so, I mean, I was very adept at astral traveling my whole entire life. I put things on hold, you know, like most people do for a while when we find out not everybody does this stuff. And so I tampered everything down during my 20s and early 30s, but everything came back with a vengeance in my late 30s. And so now I can pretty much transport easily again. 
That is so cool. That is so cool. I've been working on trying to astral travel myself. Like I, I use the, um, I've talked about this on my podcast many times. I use the uh, Hemisync binaural beats because I, I can't just project easily. You know what I mean? Like I have to like really like focus and meditate and try to. And I've actually, you know, maybe popped out of body once, and like I was only out of body for like a couple of seconds, then I kind of just popped back in. But I did do it. You know, I know it's possible. And then I think once you realize it's possible, that really makes you realize that like there are the human body is or whatever this is that we this this and you know it a lot better than me, you know, but like it's very magical. Like, you know, like we don't use all of our brain capacity. We can astral travel. We have psychic abilities. People have their clairs, their claircognizant, clairaudient, clair clairvoyant i mean it's just we have esp telekinesis psychokinesis we're amazing human beings i mean would you agree with that i mean you're 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 speaking to the choir here because this is my new found thing i and this is what i would like to leave your audience with if they choose and again take anything that resonates toss what doesn't because i'm not here to change anyone but i i have found even as a galactic in the last three four years i have been doing everything completely different. And I think most people, when they start a spiritual journey, they want to go out. They want to go out. They want to meet their star family. They want to go out of their body. They want to do everything out. And that's pretty typical. And as you actually really move into this, you find that everything is within you. So bring everything in. Yes, by going out and astral traveling, you're going so-called out, but you're really not. You're going in to go out. And I know that sounds funny. But go in meditatively, in respectfully, and understand your body is that magnificent thing that you're talking about. The body itself is what allows the information in. Bring God consciousness in. Bring the planet in. Bring the people in. Bring the love in. Bring your galactic family, your guides, your angels in. Because when you hold it in heart space, you're already in the ethers. When we don't ground and use this body, this human vehicle body, in a respected way that is awesome and beautiful and magical, then we are just simply playing in the ethers and we don't really get the information that we know. So you are here to experience with this body on behalf of source. That's why you're a body, you're embodied. And so once we turn that around, the actual feel centers ignite. And this is the power of the human is the feel, not the think, the feel, the feel is what breathes the breath into the life. And so it's it's the combination of the thought, the emotion, and then the action. So it's important. I like to that. Know. I think that's really well said. Yeah. Well, um, can, thank you so much for doing this. And um, I'll send you a link when I post it. But can you tell everybody where to find you, where to find your books? And if you send me links, I'll, I'll add them all into the description. But uh, yeah, and yeah. again, thank you. Thank, thank you. I really appreciate your time in assisting and getting the messages out. So again, the first book is an energy healer's book of dying. Second book, second empath. You can find them both on Amazon, but more so even everything is on my website. So it's just my first initial and my last name. So it's S-W-O-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com. And absolutely everything is on there. And then, yeah, look for us on YouTube, um, Energy Unleashed Podcasting. We're just having a really great time out there. So Anything that you probably are wondering about, we've probably come across one time or another, and we're certainly here to investigate on your behalf. So check us out, okay? All right, sounds good. And uh, until...